much for being here as we worship together on this fine Sunday morning. Thanks, band. Thanks, Tommy, for leading up the, the worship music. Thank you. We're going to continue our journey through the Gospel of John, and today we're entering into chapter 10, uh, almost to the halfway point of the Gospel of John. Um, as we look at who, uh, again, another counter that Jesus has in teaching. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much. Thank you for being a good father. Lord, we love you. We seek you. We ask that as we open up your book, as we open up the Gospel of John, that you bring to life in our hearts and our minds the truth of who you are, of who Jesus is. That we see him in a new way or, we, or uh, a, a true understanding is reinforced that you teach us what we need to be taught, that you show us what we need to be shown, that you move us in the direction you would have us go. Lord, we love you, we seek you, and for all these things, in Jesus' name, amen. We, the sheep of this small blue globe, in order to be saved from our sin, establish meaningful Christian community, ensure peace with God, ministry, uh, provide for ministry and justice, promote the truth of the gospel, and secure the blessing of God for ourselves and our children, do need the Good Shepherd. Now, if you don't recognize that, that's my little play on the beginning of the U.S. Constitution, because it speaks to the reality that all of us are sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. We, we can't do life on our own. Uh, in fact, when sheep get, get out on their own, what happens to the sheep? They fall off cliffs. They get caught in brambles. They basically get eaten by predators. Or they just die from whatever reason. And we are the same way. It hurts our pride, doesn't it, to be called sheep? That somehow we're like, no, I can make it on my own. If I got on my own, if I don't need anyone to take care of me, I, I am my own person and I can do it. But no, it hurts our pride because it's true. Humans on our own end up adrift, end up being hurt or dead, and ultimately end up being separated from God. This is how the Bible speaks about humanity, that all people are sheep. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have gone to his own way. So we need a shepherd. Us sheep need a shepherd. We need a Savior. We need God. And that's what John 10 is all about. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 10. That's about it. John 10, we'll start in verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with us on the screens. And this is Jesus still talking. This is a continuation of John chapter 9. He's still talking to people about the man he healed that was born blind. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep hole fold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of, a stran of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but he did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy, uh, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf, wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a, a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The good shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. This is what this passage is telling us. The good shepherd does something that makes him good. He's described this way because he gathers his sheep. We see him gathering his sheep. He calls them and they know his, he knows them by name and they know his voice. Not only that, but he guards them. He's the one defending them from the thief. He's the one defending them from the wolves that would um, seek to destroy them. And he gives. Jesus makes it clear very plain, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so we see again and again this truth throughout this passage. The good shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. This passage starts with this image of a good shepherd, a shepherd. It's an extended word picture um, that Jesus is telling about uh, a shepherd and his sheep. And it reminds us kind of of the parables Jesus tells in other Gospels. In the Gospel of John, we don't have recorded parables of Jesus, but this is a sin word picture much like a parable. He's seeking to prove a point or tell a story through this picture of a sheep. And so we look at this, and, it's, and we see him start off with this word picture of a shepherd and his sheep. And then for the rest of the passage, he's kind of pulling out different aspects of that word picture and expanding upon it to prove different points. But the image is the same, a shepherd with his sheep. And this is not a new image by any means. When we look at the Bible and read the Bible, we see again and again that this imagery of a shepherd and his sheep is throughout the whole Bible. And particularly, God calls himself the shepherd of his people. God identifies as a shepherd of his sheep and of his people. And so we see throughout the Bible, we see this again and again, this aspect that uh, God is our shepherd. And we can read passages like Psalm 23, when it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I will not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See that the Lord is our shepherd. And this image is, con is continuing uh, continued through, like Psalm um, 8, 1, which says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, 
You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth, talking about God, the shepherd of Israel. Or we can read in Isaiah 40, 11, that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So again and again we see this imagery of God being our shepherd, but probably the most uh, vivid is in Ezekiel 34, where the God is, through the prophet of Ezekiel, is actually talking to the le- leaders of Israel and says, you guys are bad shepherds. You guys feed yourselves and don't feed your sheep. You guys aren't taking care of the people you're supposed to take care of. And so God says this in 34, starting in verse 11, says, For this says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of countries. Further on, it says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. See this vivid image that God says, I am their shepherd. And then when we get to John 10, it's hard not to see the direct parallels that Jesus is using with that passage. Where Jesus now steps into the narrative and says, I am that good shepherd. The good shepherd that Ezekiel talked about, the good shepherd that God talked about, I came to take care of my sheep, to love them, and we see that the good shepherd gathers his sheep. That's how Jesus talks about the shepherd, that the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And then when he brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, that he gathers his sheep around him. Now, there's actually an interesting thing that in the, in the, um, in the eastern part of the world, Shepherds would actually walk out in front of their sheep, and the sheep follow them because they know them. If you ever seen shepherds around here in America or in in, uh, in Europe, we do it a little different. We drive the sheep. We have sheep dogs that run around them and kind of corral them, and we drive them. I remember when we were up at um, up in Colorado, at, at this cabin and on this dirt road, and we heard this noise. And we looked out, and there was this huge flock of sheep just like being coming down the road, and it was being pushed by these guys on ATVs and all these dogs, and they're just pushing the sheep along. But that's not the image that Jesus is using. He's using the image of a shepherd who knows his sheep personally and intimately. They hear his voice. He knows them by name, and they respond to him. And he calls them out of a bigger flock, and they follow him, and he leads them, and they walk with him. Because the fact is, I don't know if you notice this, if you experience with animals, animals are quick to pick up on their name. They can be, if you have a smart one. They're quick to pick up on their name. That when you, when you designate an animal and you said, that's your name, and the animal says, okay, that's my name, and you keep on calling it, they really learn, hey, that's my name, because most likely I'm going to get food, or they're going to take me to do what I want them to do. Even cats 
know their name. If you say their name, at least our cats, they'll at least maybe glance at you like, uh, it's not worth my time. But they'll look at you like, I know you're talking to me, I'm going to ignore you. Animals are quick to pick up on their name, and especially if their name is spoken by the one who takes care of them. That if the, the person who feeds them and loves them speaks their name, they hear their name, but maybe more importantly, they recognize that voice that speaks it. And they say, oh, that's the person that gives me treats. Oh, that's the person that puts food in my bowl. Oh, that's the person that takes me for a walk. And they respond to it. That they pick up on that because they trust the, the voice they hear. And this imagery, as Jesus says, is that when his sheep hear his voice, they know it. They know it as the one who cares for them. They know it as the one who is their shepherd, who they should follow. That Jesus came for a mission, and that was to gather his people. He came with a mission where he declared the truth of who he was, and he gathered his people as people responded to his words and to who he was, and he gathered his sheep, and when he would walk out, they image is very powerful when you, when you think of Jesus' ministry. He's saying that I came to the sheepfold of Israel and I declared the truth of who I am, that I am God, the one sent, the Messiah, and that you should listen to me. And if you know me and you, you hear my words, then you too can have eternal life. You too can have life with God. And he declares this truth and the ones that perk up and start following him are his sheep, are his and he pulls them out, he gathers them to himself, and they follow him. The good shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. And Jesus is doing that same mission today. Wherever his word is proclaimed, wherever the gospel is preached, wherever people are coming to engagement with who Jesus is through the gospel or someone who knows Jesus, they hear again the possibility of hearing his voice declare, Come to me, all who will. And those who hear his voice and respond are his sheep. And the Jewish people didn't really get what he was saying. It's a sad fact when you read the Gospels again and again, they don't understand what he's saying. They, it says the figure of speech Jesus used with them, uh, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They were kind of lost. And so he takes a different direction. He's using the same image, but he says, let's look at this a different way. And so he switches up and says, I am the door of the sheep. It's a slightly different angle, but it's still using the same imagery. He's saying, if you want to be mine, if you want to get into the sheep, the, the, the flock, to be one of God's, I am the door. I am the access point. Now, this, this phrase he uses, I am the door, might might actually be pointing back to a real practice. Uh, some of you might have heard this before, but when shepherds used to take flocks out in this area, they might have a temporary kind of pen set up out in the wilderness, and the shepherd would put the flock in the pen and then lie across the opening. And so Jesus might be pointing to this practice that says, just as the shepherd's the door out in the wilderness, so am I the door. He could be doing that, or he could just be saying, switching and saying, I am the way in. Either way, he's making this point very plain, very clear, 
that there's only one way into God's flock. There's only one way into God's family, and that is through him. I am the door to the sheep. If you come to me, you can come in, you can go out, you'll find pastor, you have this image of being protected as well as this image of just being cared for as a sheep. So you can't deny it, as D.A. Carson, a scholar, says this, this is a proverbial way of insisting that there is only one means of receiving eternal life, only one source of knowledge of God, only one fount of spiritual nourishment, only one basis for spiritual security, Jesus alone. That Jesus saying, you want in, you come to me. But this is not a, a really exclusive statement. This is really saying that he protects people, that he's that door, because he talks about how there's thieves out there, there's predators out there, and that he is the door. He is what provides protection for his sheep. Because think of the context of when Jesus is saying this. He had healed a man born uh, blind from birth. And the Jewish authorities were kind of getting all bent out of shape over this. And this guy says, I don't know who he is, but all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. He just proclaims what happens. And what do they do to this man? They throw him out of the synagogue. They throw him out of their community. It says, just for saying the truth that Jesus healed you, you're out. And now Jesus comes up to him and says, I'm the way in, and when you're in, you're in. I'm the way in, and I'll, guide, I'll protect you, I'll guard you, you'll be safe in my fold. Imagine, imagine being that guy. Your whole life was wrapped up in this understanding that the religious leaders knew the way and were telling you the way. That when they prescribed rules, you had to follow them. That when they told you to do this, you did that. Why? That's how you had a relationship with God. And so that is what they did. And all of a sudden they say, now you can't do that anymore. Just because you said Jesus healed you, you're out. Imagine the kind of tailspin that he would have been in. Who do I trust? Where do I go for the answers? And here comes the guy who healed him saying, come to me. This will not happen. Come to me. Know me. I have... I have the answers. You'll find protection in me. Because the sad truth is this still happens today in this world. In churches. Where people can lead you astray or people think they can somehow block your access to God or people think they get on a power trip and think you know, they get to determine some things and so they can do that. But the good shepherd is guiding people always back to himself. And he has given his sheep faithful under-shepherds to do that. Pastors and leaders of churches that never point to themselves, but rather point back to the good shepherd. If you want to know, if this is just my evaluation, of what a good pastor is or a good church leader is, is someone who's always pointing back to the good shepherd. Not to anything else but Jesus and Jesus alone. Because Jesus is the only way in. Jesus is the only one that is described as the door. Jesus is, who, is the one who calls people by name and they respond. And so, good under-shepherds point back to Jesus. <clears throat> but the good shepherd doesn't just guard the sheep. He also came 
so that she could have life and have that life abundantly. I love this phrase that, that Jesus says. He compares the good shepherd, uh, or actually still in the door, the door himself, he says, he has come so that people can have life and life abundantly. As compared to the thieves and the robbers who came, why do they come? To kill and destroy and maim. He says there's people out there that will lead you astray. There's people out there that have no other purpose but just to separate you from God. But I have come. Why? So that you can have life and have it abundantly. He came to care for his people. He came to care for them that they can have that full life, abundant life. This means that when we follow Jesus, we know and we trust that we'll have that abundant life. This does not necessarily mean it's abundant in possessions or laughs, as if life's all hunky-dory, but it doesn't mean that your life is abundant because you'll have joy in Jesus. It's abundant because you'll be filled to bursting with meaning and purpose. It's abundant because you'll be grafted into God's holy family, and that is your new identity. It's abundant because you'll actually be doing and living and uh, who you are meant to be from the very beginning. Your life will mean something. Be valuable in Christ, filled with love that he pours out on us, lavishes on us. That's what we have when we come to Christ, abundant life. Because God is not stingy. Some people, I think, start thinking God is stingy with life, right? I think some people get in, the, in a mindset that God is looking upon them and says, well, I kind of saved them, but that looked like a bad investment on my part. Woo! I probably should cut my losses now. I'm not going to throw any more good money after bad, you know? I'm just going to end this thing. That's not how God works. That's, that's like putting God in such a small box is insane. But no, God knows who you are. He called you by name. He, he made you who you are. And not only that, but he gave his son for you to die for you in your place. How will he not also give you everything you possibly could need? An abundant life. This is what Paul speaks about in Romans 8.32 when he says, He, talking about God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us everything we need? It's the truth. That we can trust God to give us what we need. Because he is a good shepherd. He has come, and he's come to give us abundant life. Jesus is the good shepherd. He guards his flock, his sheep. The good shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. We look at this, and Jesus takes, and it's, it's the, a really famous image of him being the good shepherd. In this adjective, in the Greek, the, the kalos is really the sense of noble or worthy, that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not described as the adequate shepherd. He's not described as, oh, that's a, a fine shepherd. No, he is the good shepherd. A direct comparison to the leaders of Israel, a direct comparison to the hired hands that he uses in the text who run away from danger, who don't care and don't love the sheep. He says, no, I am the good shepherd. What makes him good is that he loves his sheep to the point of laying down his life for the sheep. What makes him good 
is that he cares so much that he not only gathers them, he not only guides, uh, um, um, guards them, but he gives his very life for them. That is the good shepherd. It's a comparison that we see that he is the one we've been waiting for. I love this image of a shepherd who, who is strong enough to, to drive away the prayers and is soft enough to pull his flock to, with him love. It reminds me of a quote from John Calvin, uh, the great reformer, who says this, The pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep and the other for driving away the wolves. I love that because I think that we see this happening in Jesus in his ministry. That he had those two voices. That, that Jesus had that voice when, when someone's on the down and out and they're being told that they can't come back to the place of worship. He has that voice that gathers his, his sheep. The voice of compassion. But when the self-righteous, the Pharisees, think they have it all together, he has a voice that drives away those who prey on his people and says, you are whitewashed tombs. Jesus again and again portrayed this, this two-voice mantra where at the woman at the well who's trying to figure out who has this bad history and all this sexual baggage, he can sit down with her and speak with compassion, saying, take and drink. But those who would lead people astray, he can make a whip of cords and drive them out of the temple. You see this pattern that this is what Jesus does, that he has this love and compassion for sheep so much that to them he'll speak sweetly, and to those who would lead them astray, he'll speak sternly the truth and the warning that they better watch out, for he is that good shepherd, to the point where he lays down his life for his sheep. This goes further than just the, the image of maybe a shepherd who would protect a sheep from a predator and by happenstance pass away from being attacked by a bear, but rather it points to an intentional sacrifice on the part of the good shepherd. That this good shepherd is good. Why? Because he's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. No one takes that life from him, Jesus says. He does it of his own free will. That he's been given this charge, he says, by God, that he takes down, he lays down his life for his sheep, meaning he stands in the place of his sheep, that where sheep deserve to die, his sheep deserve the punishment of sin, Jesus, the new shepherd, stands in their place and takes their punishment on himself, the punishment of his people. He is that good shepherd who lays down his life for his people. But that's not all. He's the good shepherd who takes his life back up. For this is a good shepherd who is in total control. No one took his life against his will, but he chose to do that. Why? To save his sheep. And he lays it down and he takes it back up, speaking of his resurrection, that Jesus gave his life and then he, he, uh, he, he, he is raised again to prove who he is and to show what awaits us in the future that will be with him in heaven be with him, with God, that Jesus is the good shepherd because he gave his life to protect his people from very rare, no, very real predators, from sin, from judgment, from death. He didn't lay down his life simply just to demonstrate his love. He died because his sheep, you and I, his people, were in real 
danger. That without Him interacting, without Him, we would be doomed. At the beginning of this message, I, I quoted Isaiah 53, 6, that talked about how we are like sheep. But that passage isn't just in there. It says this, We all like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That we are like sheep, but the Lord God has laid our sin, the iniquity, our sin, upon Him. Jesus, our good shepherd. And that is how we are saved. I've already said this, but that story does not end just with the shepherd dying for us. It doesn't end with the death of the shepherd because that shepherd doesn't stay dead. He couldn't. To summarize a, a, a book, it says, death had no claim on him, sin had no debt he couldn't pay, and decay could not stop him. This shepherd could not stay dead. He defeated death, sin, and judgment. He rose and continues to shepherd his sheep. That's just how good this shepherd is. That Jesus is a victorious, risen, and living shepherd. What does that mean for us? It means that he is still our shepherd. This is something that he didn't do this in the past, actively, right now, today. If you believe in Jesus Christ, he is your good shepherd, caring for you, gathering you, giving to you everything you need. <laughs> and we see this in his passage. When he says that he has sheep that are not of this fold, and he must gather them, he's pointing out to the whole world and says, I'm going to gather all of my sheep to me, so that there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd and himself. And we see that, and we, as non-Jewish people, rejoice. For this is the truth, that Jesus is gathering sheep from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, which is us, and bringing them into his flock of his people, and we know him. That we are known by our good shepherd, and he calls us by name. For when he gathers us, when he guards us, when he gives for us, he does this for his sheep, those who know his name. He even compares this intimacy that he will have with his sheep with the intimacy that he has with the Father. He says, how the Father and I know each other, so the sheep and I will know each other. What a profound image that we're given the privilege of knowing shepherd of knowing Jesus in that intimate united way that we can know him profoundly personally intimately that we can know Jesus but there's a big warning there as well hidden in that that if his sheep know him and he knows his sheep people don't slip in to the people of God people don't just kind of squeeze around the gate, come in on the side. He says, I know them, and they know me. It's a warning that if you want to be part of God's flock, if you want to be with Jesus as your good shepherd, then there's only one way, and that is to know Jesus, to know him, and for him to know you. So let's know Christ so we can call him our good shepherd. The Good Shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. 
This passage ends with people still being confused about who Jesus is. He's given this teaching. They've seen him heal a guy who was born blind, and they're still wondering what is happening. Half of them are saying, he has to have a demon. He's crazy. And the other half is saying, are you guys crazy? This guy just healed a blind. Demons don't do that. And there's confusion about going on here. But within that confusion, there's a question that we all must answer. Must answer. The question is, are you his sheep? Because his sheep would answer positively. They know who he is. They hear his voice. They've responded to him. And they, and they would see how, how he says he's a good shepherd. And they, would, they desire that and respond to that. And so implied in this text is that question, are you one of his sheep? Are you someone who hears his voice? Because that's the test that we have to determine whether you are his sheep or not. Do you hear his voice? And before you panic and say, I've never heard uh, the voice of Jesus before, I'm not talking about a voice necessarily of you seeing now next to someone and talking in a conversation. I'm talking about, have you ever heard the Gospels explained and responded and seen the truth? Then you've heard his voice. Have you ever opened the Bible and seen how God is speaking through that still today? Then you've heard his voice. Have you ever heard someone expound upon the scriptures and said, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Then you've heard his voice. And so we know so we know that if we have responded to his message, we have heard the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we can know that we're his sheep. We can know that he has called us. And we can know and he knows us by name. And we can know that he is leading us and we're to follow. So are you one of his sheep? Are you following the good shepherd? And if you are, that means we trust in him because he knows you and you know him and you trust him because you know he's working and caring for you, that he gathers you, he guards you, he gives for you. We know that he's working all things for good in our lives because we're following him and we love him, and so we trust in our shepherd to lead the way. So that means for all of us who claim to be his sheep, for all of us who have heard the voice of the good shepherd, we look to the good shepherd. We follow the good shepherd. We don't need anything else. We don't look elsewhere for satisfaction or for meaning or for guidance or for understanding. We look to the good shepherd. We don't wander away. We recognize that in him we have everything we need, everything we would ever need, everything we, would, we could possibly need for life and godliness right now. That when you are tired and worn out, you trust that he can take you to green pastures for rest. That when you're thirsty and you think you've been wrung out and you're just dying of thirst, that you trust that he's going to lead you to that refreshing spring. That when you are uncertain, you know he leads you in paths of righteousness. That when you are afraid, he comforts you with his presence. And so you follow the good shepherd. Because a good shepherd gathers, guards, and gives. We follow Good Shepherd, for that is what we have been made to do. I just want to end with this. We follow this Good Shepherd because 
Jesus is the Lord, our Lord. And as David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being our good Father, for sending the Good Shepherd Jesus to save us. Lord, I pray for all of us here that as we hear that text, as we we let it sink into our hearts, that we respond by following your Son. In all the ways that he's taught us, in all the ways that he has spoken to us, through his word, we follow him. Lord, we love you, we seek you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.